This podcast contains advice that should never be followed, spoilers you'll wish you hadn't heard, and language you wouldn't teach to children. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony art. It's time for Agony Art. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony Art. Well, Agony Art is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that Instead of watching it fall, give Agony Art a call. Hey, welcome to Agony Art, a regular podcast in which three consumers of books, music and films try to solve your problems using examples from the great art of our age. Or, more likely, just leave you with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. My name is Aaron. I'm an author and a very slow reading poison and I have Carl our film buff and Liam our music guru here with me in my kitchen to record episode four say hello 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 I'm not happy about the full full break because we've called this a studio up until now and now it's it's out there it's a kitchen. No, I think, I, think, we, I think we called it the garage in the first episode, didn't we? <laughs> that was the pilot. Oh, that was yeah. the pilot. In, <laughs> in the first episode, I think I said, our swanky studio, which is also my kitchen. Oh, okay. So, I don't yeah. want people to think that this isn't a, a completely professional endeavour. What I didn't mention in that intro is that this is a quarantine special. Whoa. This is going to cheer everyone up. <laughs> <laughs> so... I don't know when we'll put this on the podcast stores, but you might remember a few months ago or last year or possibly yesterday, we were all locked down for a while for a virus, a pandemic, and it caused a lot of problems for a lot of people, a lot of very serious problems. We're going to deal with some very trivial problems today. <laughs> and we know that they're trivial because they've been submitted by people that are close to us, people that we know. People out who follow us on Instagram. They're very trivial people. Very trivial people. Also, we're recording this at a time when lockdown has been lifted. Unless you've got a local lockdown going on. Exactly. Time of release, who knows? We could be in our third lockdown by then. And we're maintaining <laughs> social distancing. Yep, I haven't touched you once today. No. 50 years ago, there was this thing called COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the quarantine admin out of the way. I did have one more thing to talk about guys which has been playing on my mind my wife has been listening to the previous episodes as i've been editing them and she thinks that after each problem we should be committing ourselves to a particular piece of advice which we think is the best piece of advice hmm. this feels a little bit like a lawsuit waiting to happen <laughs> yeah but if we if we um, all commit to a different piece of advice and we can that get covers all ground individually sued no <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't think we're saying you should definitely do this. We're just saying the best piece for me was blah, blah. Yeah, Would that okay. be better? Basically, listeners at home, we're trying to avoid the situation where we give a shit piece of advice, which is every episode, and someone follows that advice, their life goes horribly wrong, and then they try to sue us. Perhaps um, your lovely wife is suggesting that we don't really conclude a problem. My wife's got two problems with this podcast. Three problems with this podcast. One, Only three. One is that... Liam. Yeah. <laughs> you put it in Liam. <laughs> one, one is Liam. <laughs> Two is that we don't commit enough to our answers. We won Liam. <laughs> What's one? 
<laughs> one was that it was shit. That was my real. That was no real problem. One is that it's shit. <laughs> Two is that we don't commit enough. <laughs> and three is that we victim blame. She's she's mentioned victim blaming to me. Yeah. But we're just when we um maybe we are maybe we do that and maybe I'm not sensitive enough. Yeah, but we're reading the problem from their perspective. There, there's always another perspective. <laughs> I, I All right. I so we us, haven't even committed yeah. ourselves to the idea of committing ourselves, have we? We'll have to we'll have to think about it as the episode goes on. Let's see. Let's see. So before we begin, I've got to point out that none of us are experienced counsellors and we can't promise that our advice will be any good. The biggest problem we've had to solve this week was trying to commit ourselves to the uncommittable. We are the uncommitments. <laughs> <laughs> We're really only here to have fun. So if you're having a really hard time, I'd recommend going to our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So, now we've got that out of the way, here's the first problem of today's episode. Quarantine special. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we need a jingle for that, Liam. Get on the case. I've been doing like a, a klaxon, like wah, 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 a siren type thing. Can everybody please get back to their homes? This is quarantine. <laughs> we can just use that. There you go. We don't, <laughs> we don't need a jingle anymore. Problem one. While we were quarantined, I realised that I don't actually like my life. I was happier stuck indoors than I ever am going out and living my normal routine. What am I supposed to do now? Hashtag extremely trivial problems. <laughs> <laughs> I think what they, what they mean by I don't actually like my life is, you know, when you sit at home and you realise, wait a minute, I'm happier playing Fall Guys in my house Who isn't? than going out and seeing my friends. Uh, who hates their life? Brian. In Life of Brian. Does he hate his life of he does, because he's followed around by people who think he's the messiah all the time. And he's not yeah. the messiah. I don't know, it's not like a character-defining trait that he hates his life, is it? No, but we've gone with it now. It's all right, <laughs> fair enough, Brian. I come across a film called Life of Ryan, which is uh, about <laughs> Ryan Giggs' career change. <laughs> yeah. yeah? When he became the messiah. <laughs> <laughs> Did it go well, his career change? Um, I didn't go any delve any deeper. Oh, that's a shame. Um, so there was one song that immediately sprang to mind. I'm going to take first dibs, don't uh... Go for it. Yeah. Um, there was the phrase in the question, it was, I realised that I hate my life. Um, does anyone remember in 2008, there was a, by a band called Theory of a Dead Man called I Hate My Life? No. No. So, what, was this a big song then? It was fairly big. It was in the charts. So I don't know exactly where it charted. Anyway, it, I mean, I'm not going to recommend it. <laughs> no, no offence to Fury of a Dead Man it's not the best song ever written it's basically most of the song is a, is a big long explanation about why the singer hates his life there's some highlights I'll include here um, I hate how my wife is always up my ass just ask her to stop <laughs> <laughs> uh, how come I never get laid is another line which seems to contradict that first line really doesn't it <laughs> maybe he's got different expectations maybe you were taking the first line too literally <laughs> and I hate that I can't tell when a girl's underage Fucking hell. Um, Liam. <laughs> I want better song examples yeah. from you in future, Liam. <laughs> is, is that too much? Is this an example of a terrible example? Um, and he also hates homeless people. He says that Jesus they just sit around Christ. and get paid. <laughs> Implication being, well, he's got to go to work. Which I think he's missing the point. Yeah. But he does give some advice. It's not the best advice. He says, if you're pissed like me, put your middle fingers in the air. Go on and say, fuck you. Where did this chart? <laughs> I'm going to look it up. It was definitely in the UK charts. I remember it being played on the radio. Being played on the radio? Mm. Didn't we discuss in a previous episode how we don't remember hearing an Eminem song on the radio ever? Mm. 
And now you're like, you've, I've heard this song on the radio. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, that advice is terrible. Don't follow it. It's a bad song. Don't listen to it. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only song you've prepared for today. Uh, well, I hope not. But I'm going to lead you on to some good advice. Can I just say that this got to number 92 in the UK chart? Really? 92. Yeah. Number two in the UK rock and metal chart. Is that what you're talking about? Well, Maybe I've probably heard, heard it on, on Kerrang, XFM. Yeah. yeah. Or Kerrang, yeah. yeah. Number seven in the US billboard, bubbling under hot 100. <laughs> that sounds like um, a euphemism, doesn't it? I'm bubbling under at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you make me bubble under <laughs> maybe uh, yeah I think it would fit getting the runs oh, oh I'm bubbling oh, I've got to go I'm bubbling under <laughs> <laughs> alright moving on <laughs> so some good advice Eat Pray Love by Elizabeth Gilbert published by Bloomsbury this was a memoir I didn't know that I knew it was a film starring Julia Roberts but I didn't know that it was a memoir not, uh, not fiction Elizabeth Gilbert was unhappy in her marriage and she needed a shake-up in her life, much like you, Brian. Uh, so she just went away. She dropped everything, went travelling for a year. She spent four months in Italy, eating, three months in India, praying, and then she went to Bali and fell in love. Three months loving. <laughs> <laughs> loving with a Brazilian businessman. Now, this would obviously require a lot of investment to replicate because not everyone can just drop everything and go traveling for a year but if you can maybe you should just drop everything change everything up go traveling for a year eat pray and love i think getting away from it all um in general it's not a bad shout there's a classic well i think it's a classic 2009 song by none other than dizzy rascal called holiday do you remember this song? Yeah, I remember it. Need a holiday. Come see was, me. Exactly. <laughs> if you... I was thinking the other day, you don't really hear about Dizzy Rascal anymore, do you? You don't, do you? What I... happened to Dizzy Rascal? I don't know. Bonkers. I think he had a... <laughs> that was you so <laughs> I think he had an album out recently. Uh, <clears throat> relatively oh. recently, at least. Um, but I don't know anything more than that. Sorry. Um, News to me. So Holiday is primarily about Dizzy trying to get a girl to go on holiday with him. <laughs> is, <laughs> is it? Um, oh, please. But whether the message is a chat-up line or otherwise, it's quite clear. And sometimes we all need a bit of a break. We all hate our lives from time to time, and we just want to get away from things. Dizzy says, I know you're tired of the same old scenery, but I could change that so easily. He asks, I know you're really busy, and I know you've got plans, but are you really too busy for a suntan? Nice. So I think, I think he's on the ball, Dizzy. He's, he's recognising that, you know, people lead busy lives, but in order to take a, to chill out every people now and again... People are busy rascals. Busy rascals, very good. <laughs> but in order to, like, you know, mentally reset every now and again, we need to take a break. Yeah. So there's Getting Away, and there's Getting Away. 2000's Castaway, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Um, Chuck gets away through, um, involuntarily, in fact, spends four or five years on a desert island on his own. I've never seen the beginning of Castaway. Um, does anyone else survive, or is it just him? Uh, no, it's just him. Like, it doesn't crash on the island. He washes <laughs> up on the island, so oh, okay. um, everyone else dies. He goes, gets before he goes on the plane. He goes, "I'll be right back." To his wife, who I keep thinking is Helen Hunt, but it might not be Helen Hunt. Um, I really like this film. I saw it at the cinema in two thousand, so I would have been Harold twelve. He's quite resourceful, so you know he makes fire. Eventually, it takes him a long time. 
And he gets really excited when he makes fire. He goes, I have created fire! <laughs> Do you think you could create fire if left to your own devices? I really don't think I could. I, I think I'd struggle. You always see um, in films and shit them doing it with flint, don't you? And I think I wouldn't even know what flint looks he like. He does it with the. Uh, I think he does it with sticks. Yeah, or the yeah. They do and it even on that. Them. I don't know how you do that. Well, have you ever watched uh, Bear Grylls the Island? Mm, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, well, I was just agreeing because I've heard yeah. it. Oh, that one. Yeah. Well, they have to do it on there, and they it takes them forever, like mm. literally forever. But anyway, so it's it's quite um, realistic. Um, once he creates fire, like life gets a little bit better, and then you skip to four years later, super skinny. Massive beard, but he's perfected spear fishing and things like that. Like he's standing like ten meters away, throws a spear, and plop gets a fish. So like, so obviously he spent his time on the island well, but he's not a happy man. He wants to go home. He's plotting a way home. He um, he ends up building a raft with things that wash up. Um, he befriends a volleyball Wilson. We've heard of Wilson. You must have uh, heard of Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Um, so my point really with talking about Castaway is um, being alone isn't really that great even if you want to be i think we're social people animals if you like so you know, he had to have some company he ends up having a volleyball that he talks to and you don't hear wilson talk obviously but um he has an actual conversation with him so i don't whilst um you may hate your life i think you should take uh, some of the advice that um, you guys are giving and uh, maybe change your life rather than just shut yourself in because The Aviator 2004, Martin Scorsese. I didn't know Scorsese directed it. not seen it. I've only seen it once. Have you seen it? Leonardo no. DiCaprio. So it follows the life of Howard Hughes. Have you heard of him? He's uh, He used to read the news on Capital Radio in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> he did? No, he didn't. Have you seen the Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns becomes a recluse and he designs the Spruce Moose? The Spruce Moose? <laughs> yeah. Hop in, Smithers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's just a model. I said, hop in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's um, a, a spoof of Howard Hughes because that's actually happened. Um, he got obsessed with an aeroplane he was trying to build. Um, it took so long, the army cancelled the order and he just kept doing it out of his own money. He was a film producer to start with and then become an avi- aviation mogul. And his films, his film got critically acclaimed, but he kept recutting it because he had basically had major OCD. And couldn't perfect anything. He had to keep um, tinkering. And in the film, um, an FBI agent like kind of raises house and tramples mud in. And after that, he spends three months completely alone in his house, pissing in jars, not cutting his hair, not bathing. Well, yeah, but he stayed in one room watching a film naked over and over again. So if you spend too much time alone, I think your problems may manifest larger than they originally are. Definitely. Have you? How did you two deal with uh, lockdown? It was actually quite a big change for me. Well, I mean, it was a change for everyone, right? Yeah. But um, I was working from home quite a lot, which I'd done... Oh, no, it was just a change for you, Liam. <laughs> Liam's life got disrupted. <laughs> I was working from home quite a lot, which I've done occasionally, but never to the extent that we've had to do it recently. And... Before lockdown, I thought I liked working from home. Now I've realised I don't really. Mm. Um, but one of the things that I found, I don't want to get too serious. One of the things that I found was taking a holiday, even if you don't go anywhere, really helped with just like relaxing a bit. Mm. So there was, it was just felt like there was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stress, especially in that kind of first few months. 
and just taking a week off to just sit around and not think about work I thought I thought was really really helpful yeah I think you probably your mind goes into holiday mode doesn't it and you give yourself an excuse not to think about the things that stress you out yeah like I've got a work iPhone and even evenings before I go to bed I put it on the side like by the front door I might press the button to see those emails and I just I hate doing it but I just can't not do it sometimes and um when I'm on holiday, I'm like, I'm not touching it because I'm on holiday. Don't matter if what goes wrong, I'm on holiday. Someone else can deal with it. But um, so yeah, I agree with you. But um, I don't think you should be taking a holiday, Liam, seeing as you're, um, you know, you're creating a vaccine. <laughs> How do you go with it, Aaron? Uh, well, no, that's what made me think of it. You saying um, staying indoors all the time will exacerbate your problems. And I think that's absolutely what happened for a lot of people. I have anxiety issues and they got so much worse during lockdown and it is because you're indoors all the time the walls start to close in Mm. even going for walks every day like getting out of the house doesn't really help because you're still going back to that an hour later or whatever so I think a lot of people did have a lot of problems and Brian's problems might have been made worse by the fact that yeah you're sitting indoors now and you're thinking actually I prefer this to going out but maybe when you're allowed to go out again, you'll think, actually, this is a relief. Mm. I didn't yeah. want to be stuck indoors all the time. Because your life isn't changing just because you're standing indoors. Your life's kind of suspended for a time. There's some benefits to it as well, like spending a lot more time with family, for instance. Yeah. I, I cut out, I think, at least two, sometimes three to four hours of commuting from my mm. from my working day. and. Just, you know, sitting around with my wife is pretty fun sometimes, turns out. Yeah. yeah. First, turns um, out you like your wife. <laughs> turns out. <laughs> first three weeks, or for first 11 weeks where nurseries weren't open, my wife and I were just managed, trying to work full time and look after the little one. And that was really stressful. But I spent 11 weeks every day with little boy, which I wouldn't have otherwise. And I've got fond memories of that. I remember having fun more than the stress of work because that's just fleeting really, isn't it? So... And your son knows your name now. Yeah, so and nice. yeah, yeah, I finally admitted I've got a son and I'm <laughs> paying my way. Now that Jeremy Carl has got the test results back for you. <laughs> Thank you, Graham. <laughs> uh, okay, well, to get it back onto the course of the podcast. <laughs> Brian, you say you don't like your life Are you and you've realised that. Is this commitment? No. Oh. We're not at the end of the problem yet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> if you could go back in time... And change your life, Brian, such that you didn't end up hating it today, would you do so? Would you know what you need to change and how? And if so, why don't you change those things now? It's never too late. What if you went back, you changed everything you could, but the ending always remained the same? In Replay by Ken Grimwood, published by Orion. I've read that. Have you? Sorry, I got really excited. (laughs) Have you read it, Aaron? I haven't. (laughs) I'll lend it to you. It's quite a good book. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Winston dies of a heart attack. You can correct me in, on any of these details then, Liam, that I get wrong. Jeff Winston dies of a heart attack in 1988. And after dying, he awakens in 1963 as his 18-year-old self. And then he relives his life with intact memories of the next 25 years. But he still dies again of a heart attack in 1988. That time... He wakes again in 1963, but several hours later than the first time he woke up. And this happens again and again with slightly different events 
in each cycle. And he lives like 25 odd years every time. No, because every time he wakes up a little bit later and I think the gap gets bigger and bigger. So first time he wakes up a few hours later, then it's days, weeks, months until he's just waking up just before the death. But the point is he soon realises that he can't prevent the death bit, but he can change the events that occur before it. And I think he even meets someone who's having the same problem. She's dying and waking up a few years earlier. And... She, um, the, the reason he finds out about her is because she's down as like the director of Star Wars or something. And he's like, hang on, that's not right. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I think that's one of the things I would do. If I could travel back in time, I would steal someone else's idea. Yeah. There's um, a hot tub time machine do that. The guy Lou goes back and uh, when... When everyone kind of comes back to the future or back to the present, um, Google's called Lugal. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like I always think that, steal someone's idea and make, make it yourself and make millions. But then I think, actually, it was part of what made that so successful was the implementation of it. Like, you can have that idea, but do you do it right? And if you don't, then you don't get that successful and you don't make those millions. I was thinking about, um, weirdly, Ask Jeeves the other day and thinking at the time... That's a really good brand. Like, because he's new. Oh, I'm going to ask, like, your personal butler. Ask him anything. And now it's just ludicrous, isn't it? It's not. It's, it's the idea behind home assistance. It's the same thing. Is it? Isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. the people who came up with Ask, ask Jeeves aren't making that money, are they? No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the personal assistant money. I like the idea of a, um, a film or story or book where someone invents a time machine or comes across one, goes back to the wrong period like Salem Witch Trials times trying to invent a mobile phone and just gets burnt at the stake immediately yeah. <laughs> I often say that it's probably been wife. done before if you went back in time with this in your hand you'd just be killed yeah <laughs> <laughs> you don't think you were all rich so the reason the reason I read Replay I think is because I'd heard that it was part of the inspiration for Groundhog Day did you find that factoid anywhere um, was it written before Groundhog Day then? yeah it was written in like the 70s I think mm. I think it says it on the Wikipedia page that it was the uh, it must inspiration. Be, Groundhog Day is so similar. Oh, it's just a day, isn't it? But he tries to kill himself, but still wakes up like multiple times. Yeah. And um, but the the conclusion to that is changes like becoming unsarcastic, kind and caring, and falling in love with someone makes him break the cycle. So, what breaks the cycle for this guy? Is he still die at the end? Uh, I can't remember how. It I don't ends. think he does break the cycle. According to the Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah. It's just about accepting... I, I think it's one of those like open endings where they're like, well, maybe it will be broken this time, and then it just ends. Yeah, I think there's an epilogue where um, someone else wakes up in 1988, I think, who has just died 25 years later. So it's someone else who's having the problem, and basically, yeah, the open ending is, this happens to loads of people. Maybe you'll wake up, Carl, recording this podcast and think... She didn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> this eventually leads to my death. I can recommend, because um, there would be no other good time to bring up um, Edge of Tomorrow, Tom Cruise film. Mm. What a great film. Have you seen it? <laughs> Was that a good so movie good. or a bad yeah. <laughs> So good. It is amazing. Because I went into it thinking, this looks shit. Mm. And then it was amazing. Yeah, watch it, Liam. It's good. Okay. Tom Cruise dies in a multitude of ways, and it's really good. Uh, so uh, it feels like we haven't got much more advice for Brian. Is that what's going on here? I've forgotten your problem, We've Brian. Got, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've gone off, gone off on so many tangents. I've forgotten why we called like... him Brian. 
Life of Brian. Life of Brian. Oh, Ryan yeah, Geeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ryan Geeks. Um, so, in conclusion, I think, does anyone want to commit themselves to a bit of advice? I think your advice, Aaron, is identify what you don't like about your life and change that rather than become a recluse. And Howard Hughes is the best thing to do, in my opinion, which isn't professional. Yeah, I think so as well. I think um, there are probably still bits of your old life, pre-lockdown life, that you liked. Yeah, there are going to be... Obviously, there's big bits that you've pinpointed as, God, I hated doing that. And now that I'm at home, I'm much happier. Just don't do that anymore. Like It's like we've said on previous episodes, if you've got friends that are making you unhappy or, or whatever, your happiness is paramount. So if you just need to drop those friends, do it. And then you'll live happier. The rest is probably fine. You can keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and if there really isn't a small part of your life that you can pinpoint, then just give it all up. Go traveling for a year. Eat, pray, love. <laughs> <laughs> Get lost on a desert island. Yep. Get lost, Brian. <laughs> I had a dream, it was a curious thing A wonderful podcast presenter's problem solved for me They helped me with my miserable life I had a fresh new start La-da-da. But alas, when I awoke, all I could find was agony on Problem 2 a few months ago, we were put into lockdown, and I was stuck indoors with people I hardly knew, most of them small children. I expected it to be a drag, but it turned out they were pretty good people. I wished I'd made friends with them much sooner. Do you have any tips on how to get to know your family so we can avoid this surprise in future? Very good. Did anyone see that joke I coming? must admit, I'm disappointed I because I was going to make that punchline myself and then <laughs> said it. <laughs> I missed it, what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, sometimes you can see Carl's eyes glaze over, can't you? And you think, Carl's not listening to me anymore. <laughs> how, about, how about me? Do I hide it well? <laughs> well Neither of you do. You start looking at the ceiling. It's good you're reading the problem, which I know. <laughs> I've already heard the problem. Yeah. I'm not listening. <laughs> do I have to listen back to hear the joke then? No, it's fine. Yeah, you're going to have to listen to the episode now. <laughs> That'll count for one of our downloads on the, on the podcast apps. So, uh, who wants to start? I'm happy to start. Um... It turns out this is quite a common uh, theme in film, usually uh, involving Arnold Schwarzenegger, actually. So I've got two films. I've got a nice little graph on my notepad because there are some amazing similarities between these two films that are very different. Go for it. So True Lies, 1994, directed by James Cameron. Have you seen it at all? No. There's a helicopter in it near the end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like a jump jet, like a... Fighter yeah, plane. it's not a helicopter. No, yeah. I do remember that bit. There might be a helicopter in it. it, maybe. And they blow up the tree of life. Yeah, and all the blue people yeah. run away. That's it all the Smurfs die. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Jingle All the Way, 1996, directed by Brian Levant. Must have seen that. I've never seen Jingle All the Way. Is that the one with the girl from Matilda? God's looking at no. us like we're from another planet. No. How the fuck have you not seen Jingle All the Way? I just don't understand how you haven't seen every single one. Oh, no, that was Miracle on 34th Street. Street. Yeah, Yeah. my God, Liam. So um, (laughs) the the opening premise is very similar. In True Liars, Arnie is Harry Tasker. He's a boring computer salesman, and he's always away on business trips, um, which is what his family think. But in real life, he works for the Omega Sector as a spy, and he's always away on spy ship. Spy ship. But... um, and he loves his family. He's doing his job for his family, like most of us do. But when he 
like when he misses birthdays and things, when he comes home, he's got an assistant that will give him a present. It's something this person's birthday. It will give him like a souvenir from where he's meant to have been and stuff. So he's just not, he's missing out on the family part of the life. He jiggled away. Um, Howard Langston is a workaholic mattress salesman and he's viewed as a bad parent. His neighbour, he's in love with his wife and like he sees him coming in late, missing missing birthdays and things like that as well, missing bedtime. Now back to True Lies, Harry suspects that his wife, Helen, Jamie Lee Curtis, is having an affair. So he bugs her like handbag and he bugs the house and things like that. And he finds out that she's kind of flirting with a guy who's Bill Paxton. Funny enough, Jamie Lee Curtis is looking for some excitement in her life and Bill Paxton is posing as a spy, but he's not really a spy, he's just a car salesman. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Tom Arnold, who's also a spy, kidnap Brian Paxton and they decide to give... Jamie Lee Curtis hasn't actually done anything wrong, so they decide to give her a bit of excitement and and give her a a mission, pretending that she's going to be a spy as well. Hilarity ensues. They end up... Um, kidnapped by Crimson Jihad. And um, yeah, and then they both have to get out of this situation and save America from a nuclear bomb. Um, <laughs> so in True Liars, it concludes with them saving the country and the world. And that makes Harry Tasker realise what he's got. In Jingle All The Way, he the whole premise is he's got to um, get, to, to make amends with his son, he wants to buy him a Turbo Man, which is the, the toy of the year. Oh, I have seen this. Yeah. And um, he says, I'm going to do that for you. Well, he didn't say that because that would ruin Christmas. But he decides that he's going to do that. He leaves it two weeks too late to Christmas Eve when the toy of the year is obviously sold out. So it's all about him trying to get his hands on one of these toys. Um, He doesn't manage to do it, but he ends up dressing up as Turbo Man because he's mistaken for an actor that's playing him. And he's got a real jetpack. And the other dad that wants to buy a Turbo Man that he's competing with ends up a supervillain called a Dementor. And then they fight in public at a parade, which his son sees. And he's like, I don't need one now. I've got a real life hero. So basically, my point is... (laughs) (laughs) Completely lost. Do do you know know what the point is? I I feel like the the point the first... For the first one was bug your house. (laughs) Yeah. And And you'll find out what your wife likes. That is a good point. But uh, the actual point is, if you don't get to know your family during your everyday life, you've got to go to extraordinary lengths to appreciate them, like these two films demonstrate. <laughs> but a great story true, to yeah. tell your grandkids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, Hook, 1991, same deal. You've all seen it. <laughs> but with um, Dustin Hoffman. Yes. Yeah. Instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Don't mm. try and stop me, me. Shmingy. What are you doing, Smee? Stop me. <laughs> That's a good film. It's a great film. Uh, well, what you said just then, True. True Carl. True Lies. True Carl. True Lies. True, true Carl. <laughs> also, I love, true. The title. I love the title, True Lies. I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. Well, isn't it because it's initially a lie, but then in the end it turns out to be sort of true? What's Liam's the lie? just deciphered it for you. Um, I mean, I don't know the plot well enough, but from what you just said, it sounds like it was an, he initially lied about being a spy. And then in the end, he sort of did become a spy. He was a spy all, all the whole time. He was a spy the whole time. What was the lie then? There's no lie, really. He's, did his well, name... there's, there's lies. He's lying about being a spy. <laughs> Let's move on. What you said just then was true, Carl. <laughs> true lies. <laughs> Sometimes you wait too long to get to know your family. And then by the time you want to, it's only because something 
bad has happened. In As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner, published by Vintage, the Bundren family are lugging their mother's dead body to Jefferson, Mississippi, to be buried there according to her wishes. But it actually starts with her dying in her deathbed, watching out of the window as her son builds her coffin that they're going to carry oh her in. God. Yeah, it's a pretty depressing book. Can you do anything but die in your deathbed? Uh, well, sometimes you can recover. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets rechristened your recovery bed. <laughs> um, then they lug her body to Jefferson, Mississippi. And along the way, there's a shitload of family dra- drama. There's arson. Someone breaks their leg or arm. And people try and divorce the family, basically try and leave the family because they hate them so much. Point is, they waited too long to get to know each other. By then, something bad had happened. It was the bad thing that brought them together and it was never going to go right. So you need to take the time now, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger should have, and get to know your family before it's too late. So, so you guys, you know, you're preaching this, you need to do this, this is really important, you should do it, but you're not being very practical about it. How, how are they supposed to do it? Well, one thing they could do <laughs> is, Hello, uh, Liam. is sit down and have a little heart-to-heart. Like in the Cat Stevens 1970s song, Father and Son. You know this song? Famously covered by? Um, Gary Newman. Oh, but... <laughs> Randy Newman. It's been, it's been covered by a few people. I was going with Boys Own. Boys Own? Oh, he has, yeah. Take it easy. What? <laughs> no, yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, fun, I didn't know it was that until. Fun fun fact about this song: it was originally written for a musical project about the Russian Revolution called Revolutia, hmm. um, and it's between a father, who is the father, and his son, who was he? He's the son. Okay. <laughs> and his son wants to join the Russian Revolution, and his father's saying it's not time to make a change. Just relax, relax and take, take it, it easy. easy. And that's, that's what it was originally about. Did he say, take it easy in like 1912? Well, I mean, those, those were the final lyrics. Chill your beans, bitch. <laughs> um, Chill out, man. It's actually quite sad. Well, sort of sad, not that sad. But he, uh, the, the musical never came to fruition because Cat Stevens was actually diagnosed with some really bad uh, health issues. I think it was tuberculosis. Um, around the time they were making the musical. So he had to shelve it for like a year and a half and he never got back to it. Um, so it's a little bit sad, but he recovered. So it's not... We could finish the musical. <laughs> we could. Liam, what, Liam, Liam, can't even, Liam hasn't even written the jingle for this <laughs> podcast yet. Let's One step at a I've, time. I've written Carl. the lyrics. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so yeah, there's, there's the chat between the father and the son. Um, the son feels like he's not being listened to. So even though they're having this heart to heart, the son is saying, how can I try to explain... Because when I do, he turns away. The father's not listening. So there's a there's a real good point there. And it's not only talk to your children. Don't only have heart-to-hearts. Assuming you've got children. Who did we say this was? Uh, we haven't actually given them a name. We've uh, made the mistake that we said we were never going to make again. Well, they sound like Pick a family a, guy. So we could call him... Peter Griffin. Peter Griffin. Peter Griffin. Right. Peter Let's Griffin. just call him Peter. Peter. We had Peter last problem, though. I think we had him last episode, yeah. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. No, I remember that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the verdict, Peter. Um, assume you've got children, talk to your children, but more importantly, listen to them as well. Try and understand their motives. Otherwise, they might be like the son in Father and Son and end up saying, I know, I have to go. Join the Rav- Russian Revolution. Join the Russian Revolution. <laughs> I know. 
Um, you're right, Liam. You're right. We didn't give enough information on how you should get to know your family. So let's start giving tips, Carl. I'm going to start. As you found out, Peter, you don't have to leave the house to get to know your family. Find the biggest wardrobe in your house, open it up, push the clothes aside, and climb through into a magical world of talking animals, Turkish delight, and magic. It's James Bond, right? Yep. Another day to die. Harry Another way to die. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe? Of course. <laughs> C.S. Lewis, published by HarperCollins. Do you know what C.S. stands for? Uh, computer science. <laughs> computer science Lewis. Yeah, he invented computer science. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Clive Staples. Oh, there you go. Because uh, he started Staples as well, didn't he? Did he? No. <laughs> well, he, he might you, have. You, I you don't know. there. I was yeah. real in. <laughs> he went out of paper to me. Uh, <laughs> of course, it might not work for everyone, but if you do get through the back of your wardrobe, you will learn a lot about your family. You will learn which of your family members is a treacherous little shit who wants to sell the rest of your family out to the white witch for a handful of sweets. Is that what happens? Yeah, one of them starts feeding the white witch information for, for Turkish, Turkish delight. delight. Yeah. It's like um, Tinker Taylor again. <laughs> he does redeem himself though, doesn't he, I think, in the end? Uh, I don't know, I haven't read it. Um, <laughs> for God's sake, Aaron. <laughs> you might even overthrow a dictator while you're there. And what better way to spend family time than overthrowing a dictator? Yeah. Aslan, he's a bastard, that <laughs> lion. Now, it should be noted, I'm going to tell you an interesting fact here. Philip Pullman, who wrote the um, His Dark Materials trilogy, another uh, kind of children's fantasy book, which... It's got animals in it. It's has wolf. got animals in it, yep. <laughs> Is that the biggest similarity. Compass? It's often compared to hmm. um, Narnia. She hides in a wardrobe, series. doesn't she? Or is it a cupboard? It's a cupboard? I don't know, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Philip Pullman doesn't approve of the Narnia series. He said on the Adam Buxton podcast, this really was the Adam Buxton podcast this time, that they're wicked. And he is quoted online as saying that they embody a worldview that takes for granted things like racism, misogyny, and a profound cultural conservatism that is utterly unexamined. You can't do everything in a kid's book, though, can you? You cannot be racist, though. Are they racist? It's not that, it's not that hard not to be racist. Now, can we just clarify? Did he say it is wicked or did he say it is wicked? <laughs> he said it with a tone that implied he didn't think it was good. Right. <laughs> didn't they make a um, His Dark Materials film recently, which was meant to be terrible? It was a series on BBC on One. BBC, yeah. It was pretty good. I thought it got quite good reviews. I didn't watch it. I think it got mixed reviews, but it was. Um, I thought it was good. I read the first one recently. I can't remember what it's called. You probably know. Uh, the Amber Spyglass? No. The Subtle Knife? No. The Golden Compass? Yeah. Hmm. That one got made into a film with... Yeah. Um, Polar Bear. <laughs> with Polar Bear. <laughs> this summer. <laughs> it was um, Daniel Craig. Not as the Polar Bear. <laughs> the Polar Bear does speak though, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Who plays um, Polar Bear? It was Polar Bear. <laughs> I don't know. Anyone got any other examples or shall I yeah, launch I've, into my next children's book? I've got something else I can go. Do it, Liam. This one occurs in one of my favourite musicals. Uh, it's, a, it's a little known musical. Not many people have seen it called uh, Hamilton. No. Nope. So it occurs in the second act and Alexander Hamilton is working as the, uh, 
Secretary of the Treasury to convince people that his financial plan is worthwhile. He needs to get votes for it. Otherwise, he's risking losing his job, essentially. They're going to call for his removal. The problem is, he doesn't have the votes. Exactly. He's going to need congressional approval. And he doesn't have the votes. Um, and with that context in mind, so he's, he's working really hard. He's trying to get this all done. His wife comes in and she says, why don't you just take a break? You're working too hard. One of the things about Amon is he's working hard all his life. So he never stops. And his wife's like, look, we're going away for the summer. Let's go upstate. Exactly. And she's like, take a break. And have a Kit Kat. Ensues, lust ensues. I don't know why I'm talking like this. <laughs> what follows is uh, a great song, lot, lots of really nice textural harmonies and things like that. And at the end of it, he ultimately says, Look, I need to get this plan through Congress. I'm going to lose my job if I don't. I can't come. But I don't have the vote. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know what happens when he doesn't spend some time with his family? The Reynolds pamphlet. Exactly. And this is the point. If you don't take the time to spend a few weeks with your family, whenever you can, you're going to end up sleeping with someone. (laughs) Someone else's wife. (laughs) And having to write a 95-page pamphlet and publish it to the world explaining exactly why you did it. There's only two choices when you've got downtime. (laughs) Spend time with your family... Or sleep with someone else's wife and nearly get exposed. If you were publishing a pamphlet, I mean, this is a big if, right? But if you were publishing a pamphlet about why you had an affair, Mm. do you think it would be 95 pages long? It's not a pamphlet by that point, surely. (laughs) Short story. (laughs) Um, Would you... uh, This is... I'm guessing they didn't have any social media at this point in time. (laughs) Facebook was two years away from being implemented. The old Facebook. This was this would have been the turn of the 19th mm. century. So, so I'm guessing not. Like, he is spreading. Like, there'll be rumour going around, wouldn't there, this time? Rumour. Hamilton's done this, Hamilton's done that. And he's like, yeah, I did it. And here's all the details. Like, he did, it seems egotistical to me. Well, so the reason, the reason he did it is because there was a lot, as you say, a lot of rumour that the reason he was giving money to this guy hmm. wasn't to keep him quiet about sleeping with his wife, but it was because he was embezzling funds from uh, America's So it's better treasury. to be a, a miscreant than so a fraudster. Like, yeah, he was like, look, corrupt. I'm not, this isn't uh, treason. This is just me being an adulterer. Adultery, mm, fair enough. I think that's the best way to get ahead of things like that anyway. Yeah. If you're involved in a scandal, as the person who's done some wrong, if you just come out and say, yeah, I've done wrong, this is exactly what I've done, have a look at it. No one can expose you because you've already exposed yourself. It's true. Yeah. So I, think, I would do that as well. Yeah. Publish a 95-page pamphlet. <laughs> I'd draw diagrams as well. <laughs> it's called the Sutra. <laughs> yeah. um, so the lesson there was go away for the summer with your family. It was when they ask you if you want to take a break, just say yes. Yeah. What if they never asked? Well, I was thinking that, but then yesterday while I was writing up my podcast notes, my wife came in and said to me, take a break. And I was like, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't, so I did. <laughs> what did you do on your break? Uh, we sang songs from musicals. <laughs> a, a brief glimpse into my life. <laughs> your life is a musical, Liam. Good. Yeah. Well, Peter, if you were a clairvoyant rabbit, you could have not only used your psychic abilities to get to know your loved ones a bit better, but you maybe could have avoided this whole situation altogether. 
In Watership Down by Richard Adams, published by Penguin Random House, Fiverr has a vision that his warren is about to be destroyed. So he and his brother Hazel flee with a small group of friends to find themselves a new home. And, just like other examples we've given, this starts another big adventure with his family, complete with rabbit snares, hungry farmers, magical rabbit spirits. And if there's one thing, as we've all learnt, that helps a family get to know each other, it's a dangerous adventure. Absolutely. I only know one thing about Warship Down. I've never read the book and I've never seen the film, but I have seen a clip from the film when they two of the rabbits go up to this, I think it's a seagull or something, and they say, please let us help you. And then the seagull goes, piss off! <laughs> <laughs> so if you get a chance, Google that, because that's a great clip. <laughs> the cartoon's meant to be terrifying, isn't it? Because the rabbits just go like rabid, don't they? Yeah. I've never seen it. I've never read it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, don't know, 14th time I've mentioned a book that I haven't read. Hmm. I think we're going to get someone else in. Yeah. <laughs> you should get some people in who have read books. Has anyone got a wrap-up point? It sounds like we're coming to the end of problems. Yeah, no, I've, uh, I went all out on my Arnie stuff. Yeah. I can do an Arnie impression. Do an Arnie impression. So in True it. Lies, his daughter's called Dana, and when he wants to say, he goes, Dana! <laughs> That's good. I thought he was in the room. <laughs> yes. Did you? Massively. <laughs> that was this, is my, this is my Arnie, Arnie impression. It's not a tumor. <laughs> Name the film name. Um, um, Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, perfect. I've not seen. It. I have actually got a wrap-up point. I thought of a um, musical point which you didn't mention, Liam, and which I forgot to mention to you. Paul Smith from Maximo Park has a lot of trouble getting to know someone in his life, as evidenced from two Maximo Park songs, "Postcard of a Painting." You are just another thing I've yet to fathom. Hips and lips. You're a puzzle to me and you always will be. So not only is she a puzzle, she always will be. He's not going to bother to get to know her. (laughs) (laughs) How how long have you been practicing your impression? You can't sing along with Maximo Park without doing (laughs) um, (laughs) Paul Smith's voice. Maximo Park are amazing, by the way. That's my wrap up point. Listen to Maximo Park with your family. You'll all be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Problems. We all got problems. We all got problems. We all got So let's try and solve some problems. Problem three. I enjoyed being quarantined for all that COVID drama. It was like someone had hit the reset button on my life. I came out of it with a new energy and a fresh grip on what was important and what wasn't. My parents didn't feel that way though. They phoned me almost every day to tell me the world was going down the pan and they wouldn't listen when I told them to look on the bright side. Even now, they're acting like someone left a poo on their doorstep. Please can you share your uplifting examples of people emerging from bad situations and rebuilding their lives so that I can show them they don't have to be miserable forever. I don't think we should be encouraging this, but I'm pretty sure that there is a website, isn't there, where you can send people poo through the mail. <laughs> Are you saying that's the... Um... I'm just wondering if that's is what's that... happened. That's... <laughs> I thought that was your advice. I like the ones where um, there's a website where you can send someone a brick and websites that send like exploding glitter things, I think. 
That would annoy me so I'd love that. Please <laughs> never do that to I would me. love doing that to someone. I'm going to do it to Liam. We're going to do it to Liam for yeah. his birthday. Everyone do it. Everyone. <laughs> uh, we need to think of a name for this person we fought last time. Yep. So Liam. You're the naming guy. Is it my turn? It's <laughs> always been your turn. Oh, yeah. I was going to say Morpheus. He wants to show, show them a new life. Morpheus. So do you, Liam. What are you going to go with? I didn't have one, so I'm, I'm happy. What are you, Morpheus? <laughs> it's a very aggressive car. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Liam. <laughs> Fuck off, Liam. <laughs> Who wants to start? Uh, I can start, because I've got a, just a very, very simple thing you could tell them. You could tell them to always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're better so than me Carl credit where it's due this wasn't my idea Aaron came up with this one but I did do a little bit of research so I've never heard it I'm not completely useless <laughs> please please <laughs> um, yeah 1989 is the year it came out uh, you both know what film it's from I assume we were talking about it earlier actually weren't we or were we was that last week Life of Brian yeah it was, uh, it was. It was sometime <laughs> I don't remember this season <laughs> it was in this season of Agony Art. <laughs> Previously on Agony Art. Okay. What, what about it, Liam? <laughs> Sorry, I've... Well, What's the message the that song's trying to um, tell us? So, yeah, Life of Brian. Good. Well done. And the message is a pretty straightforward one, to be honest. Um, I've taken a brief snippet. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. What a lovely sentiment. It is true. In the film... I don't know if you remember, it's sung by the main cast while they're being crucified at the end. Yeah. So, and that's quite nice in itself. Well, not for them, but, you know, it's like a message, isn't it? It could be worse. At least you're not being crucified. There's... What about for the person being crucified? What's there to look I, on? I'm not sure they do that anymore. Bright side off. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, they're singing it. And if they can mm. sing it, then anyone can. Yeah. There's a fun fact uh, about that song as well. Morbidly fun fact. In 2005, there was a survey and... Uh, turned out to be the third most popular song that people in Britain wanted played at their funeral. Oh, that's nice. And if you rearrange the letters of funeral, you get real fun. <laughs> so, How many times have you thought about that? That was quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a line I always remember from Six Feet Under. Right. What um, would you have at your funeral? Um, I Hate My Life. Bye. <laughs> you can't even remember. No, I can't remember. That's fine. And it's probably for the best. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think you should plan your funeral, do you? Um, I think you probably should. I want to be shot out of a cannon. Because the thing is, if, if, if you don't plan your funeral, then your loved ones who are already in quite a lot of grief have to do it. Like, yeah, but I'm, it's not your problem at that point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it depends how selfish you are, I suppose. It's, it's like added stress for them, isn't it? Whereas if you if you do one of these plans where it just all gets planned up front and no one has to worry about it, they just get an invite. Well, what song you have then? You've planned it? Uh, I don't know. I've not I've not decided, but um, I remember when my granddad was alive, he always used to say he wanted Spirit in the Sky played at his funeral whenever we played it at gigs. And it was, it was actually quite sad when we came to his funeral because it obviously played and we were like, oh yeah, you used to say this all the time. Oh, yeah. That is sad. That is the thing. Even happy songs can feel sad at a funeral, can't yeah. they? Well, it's just going to remind you of the person. Yeah. That was quite a big aside, Carl. You better make it pay off with a good film example. I haven't got any, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was stalling for time, trying um, to think of films. Well, when I was a lad, I've told you I used to watch Star Wars every week. 
I also, I also used to watch The Great Escape every week. 1963, directed by John Sturgis. You had a lot of spare time when you were a kid. I know, I just uh, pissed around really. Didn't really make the most <laughs> of my time. Didn't get to know my family. <laughs> <laughs> and as a child, I loved this film. Have you seen it? Great Escape, Steve McQueen. No. Richard Attenborough, James Garner. Heard the theme song, yeah. though. Yeah, I can't think of it. I was thinking of the Italian joke for some reason. <laughs> What's the theme tune to that? Um, is it? I don't even yeah. know. <laughs> no, it is. You're right. Yeah. 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 Oh. Anyway, we're not talking about that or uh, final countdown. Europe. Yeah. <laughs> so um, set in World War Two. Um, in a German Nazi prisoner war camp, there's a, they. This is a brand new camp, high security. It's to hold the serial escapees because um, when you escape from prisoner war camp, there's a lot of resource used by the Germans to recapture you, put you back in, and so they put them in this maximum security one. It opens quite starkly with um, a guy just running at the fence, getting machine gunned. Steve McQueen is the American. He's like all uh, witty and cheeky, and he gets in the cooler all the time because he keeps trying to escape and they decide they form an escape committee so actually it's a bit of an oversight of the Germans to put all the escape artists in one camp I would say (laughs) it sounds like a challenge to me (laughs) they probably didn't know that you're through to the final (laughs) (laughs) so they plan for all 250 prisoners to escape en masse um, by tunnelling and at worst some might get recaptured but they're going to employ a lot of German resource to stop them fighting the Allies and all is that is it a true so, story? yeah majorly embellished by the film uh, there are no Americans in it at all plus other embellishments mm. and they didn't have a theme tune I know that's Grand Force <laughs> It does sound similar. <laughs> um, so they decide to dig three tunnels in case one of them gets um, discovered, Tom, Dick and Harry. They come up with loads of ingenious solutions. Like they um, they get rid of dirt by having long pockets in their trousers and they put all the dirt in there and then tip it out in the yard. They get a bellows to keep air in the tunnels. They use old bits of clothes to make civilian clothing. There's a forger in the camp who makes all the documents. God, it's sussed. They, um, sorry to interrupt, yeah, but that, that thing with the dirt in the pockets, mm. that's what um, Andy Dufresne does in Shawshank Redemption, isn't it? Yeah, he probably watched Great Escape. <laughs> he probably did. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. It's very famous. Um, <laughs> I've never heard of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but Tom gets, um, Tom Tunnel gets discovered. Tom Tunnel. Tom Tunnel. So that gets filled in. And so they decide to go through Harry. Because no one wants to go through Dick Tunnel for some reason. This sounds like the set, the set up for a porn film. <laughs> Tom's to... Tunnel gets filled in. <laughs> so they have to go through Dick Tunnel. <laughs> but they don't go through Dick Tunnel. <laughs> Who wants to go through Dick Tunnel? Now, the reason I mentioned I watched this a lot when I was a kid, because I loved it. And I didn't fully appreciate I thought I thought, great escape, uplifting. Everyone escaping. Um, 50 of them are killed, 23 return to the camp, and three escape out of the 76 to get out. That's not very uplifting. No, I didn't realise it wasn't until yeah, I thought I, uh, it was a great story of people escaping, but yeah. 
Turns out not many of them actually made it. No, so I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> what you but can... it turns out your parents are right. <laughs> yeah. The world is depressing. It is a story of British, American, Australian fortitude during the war, which is uplifting. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't end that Well, way. yeah, I think the message there, if you wanted to take a positive message from it, was even if the odds are against you, keep trying. Mm, yeah. Because some of them got out, didn't they? They did. Um, I fully recommend watching it though. It's very, um, whilst like it obviously doesn't end well, it's quite, it's pretty light-hearted. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is, there are positives to take from it for sure. Definitely, and I think we should all be grateful for our escape. Could be mm. in a POW camp. Could have been in a prisoner of war camp. Could have been stuck in a cupboard for years and years. And the uplifting part of that would be when you get out of the cupboard, you get invited to a school of witchcraft and wizardry. <laughs> by an owl and a half giant I mean the owl invites you the owl brought the invitations didn't he fair enough many owls <laughs> brought many invitations yeah um, in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling published by Bloomsbury this being the real world and schools of witchcraft and wizardry not being real as far as we know I'm not sure they'll receive a magical invitation but maybe they'll experience the real world equivalent like finding a tenor in their coat pocket. I love that. Yeah. It's as good as being a wizard. When was the last time you done that? Because I don't really carry cash anymore. Yeah, I never find cash. No. How are we going to find I usually find it in my wife's bag. Mm. <laughs> you steal from your wife. Is that what you're telling what? us? She asked me to get something. There's always cash in it. I'm like, well, where's this coming? 200 quid I found like a few weeks ago. What the? F- Maybe she's got a... Uh, Why is she carrying so much cash? It was like, it's an accumulation of like birthday money that she hasn't done, just been carrying it around. Did you sleep with Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> and she's extorting him. <laughs> I slept with Alexander Hamilton, yeah. <laughs> the Carl pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple of, uh, couple of more examples, quite short ones, of uh, snippets of wisdom from, from different songs. Uh, one of them... Is actually another one of Aaron's suggestions. I've done no work for this episode, just so you know. Um, done no work, full stop. It's a 2017 Queens of the Stone Age song from their album Villains called Fortress. And there's a lyric in it that goes, it ain't if you fall, but how you rise that says who you really are. You know, I think the point there is, don't try not to dwell on the downs too much. You want to focus on getting back to the ups. Yeah, and um, someone that gets up quite a lot. Oh, God, it's the sex thing again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say James Brown and get up. Is that James Brown? Get on up. No, get on up, yeah, but not James Brown. Rocky. No, I don't, I don't think it was Rocky. I think it was James Brown. Okay. <laughs> but Rocky also got up a lot off the mat. 1976, Sylvester Sloan directing. The quintessential underdog story. I think this must have invented underdog stories. Yeah? Think one pre-Rocky. You think... Rocky invented underdog stories. Yeah. I like Rocky. Do you think there came a point where they didn't need to make any more films? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> One and two are good. Three's good, but not great. Four is good for 80s cheese reasons. Five is awful. Mm. Six, which is like the like real late one, like 15 years later. Balboa. One, about Rocky Balboa. I really like uh, maybe just because of Return to Rocky. And then the Creed films are quite good as a standalone. Like, Rocky does take a back seat in them. So, yeah, yeah I think three, four, and five didn't need to happen. Actually, none of them need to happen at all. <laughs> but, um, it's just money, isn't it? Money! 
when we're on series 25 of this podcast, Liam, people will be saying, do you think there's a point where they didn't need to make any more? Hmm. Like The Simpsons. Season one was dog shit, but season three to 17 <laughs> were great. Were they? Did it go on for that long? The glory is. Well, The Simpsons? Yeah. I don't know, actually. You've been watching it, haven't you? No, yeah, we didn't really watch them, all of them in order, but I've got a feeling that they probably stopped around season 12, maybe. I don't know. I'm just talking rubbish. Ignore me. But um, So Rocky, Underdog Tale, I do think it's the original Underdog Tale. But probably... Right in if you can think of an earlier Underdog Tale. Please do. So Carl Rocky... will fight you in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> so Rocky's a journeyman boxer, poor, no one really knows him. He just does like local fights. Um, starts the film by knocking out Spider Spider Rico, um, and uh, there's an opportunity to fight the world champion Apollo Creed, who but his opponent drops out, and they're fighting on the Fourth of July weekend. So they're looking for so they want to make it an exhibition bout like a big festivities, and they choose Rocky Balboa because he's got Italian heritage and an Italian discovered in America. Christopher Columbus is he Italian? Must be. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, so Rocky gets to fight Apollo Creed. It's meant to be a squash, you know, like he just destroys him, but he goes the distance, which is his big thing. He goes, he says, you know, I don't expect to win, but I want to go the distance. And is he's, that um, when he sings, I will find my way, I can go, go the distance. distance. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think he is. <laughs> and then Danny DeVito comes in and trains him. <laughs> it's kind of like that I've got to say yeah. um, Hercules original underdog story <laughs> well, he's already a demigod is it really is he an underdog yeah he's not a full god that's just a demi <laughs> so um, in terms of uplifting stories you know he's come from nothing to you know, oh, Rocky 1 he goes a distance achieves his goals which is what he set out to do Rocky 2 he wins the title um, you know you look no further than that really Started from the bottom, now he's here. Mm. And yeah, if you if you shut yourself away, you might miss these opportunities. Like if he gave up or if he did something different, then he wouldn't have got a title fight that made him. Exactly. If you get knocked down and you don't get up again, you're never gonna. Then they're always gonna keep you down. Chumba Wamba. Is that right? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know who that's by. Which, it sounds which, right though. Which Rocky films then is the one that ends with him and Apollo Creed sparring? Rocky Three. I like that ending. Yeah. It's a good ending. Um, there's another film I wanted to mention, if I may. Do it, Carl. It's, 20 it's your f- podcast. 2014's Wild, directed by Jean-Marc Villiers. Um, I don't know if he's French. It's probably an English name, yeah. but Carl just wrote it. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> he can't even read it. <laughs> um, this is starring Reese Witherspoon. I think it's produced by her production company. And uh, this is an example of a rebuilding your life. You know, coming out from bad times and just resetting, if you like. Like, I think uh, this is what the person said about resetting, yeah. Um, So Cheryl, um, she decides to hike 1,100 miles of the Pacific Crest Trail, which in total is 2,650 miles, stretching from the Mexican border to the Canadian border of America. Sounds like a nice thing to do. Like, the idea of hiking 1,100 miles sounds quite appealing, doesn't it? What's, yeah, what's, what's the I'd rate, probably... though? Like, how, how much walking are you in a day? Because I, I tried to do, like, a significant amount of walking once. And <laughs> I've never chafed so much in my life. I think she does it in 90-odd days, I think. She was probably wearing really comfortable um, 
gym gear as well. <laughs> well, this is it, actually. You were probably wearing hot pants. She, oh, I had sores and everything. It was horrible. <laughs> she actually is completely ill-prepared for it. Yeah? Yeah. She's a poor she state probably of had chafing as well, Liam. Mm, she definitely did. She uh, basically she does it to uh, to reset her life because her life's in a complete shambles. Um, she's her mum died, which sent her into a deep depression. She starts using heroin. She has sex with strange men, and then gets divorced from her husband and has an abortion. So, not having a great time of it. And this walk is designed to kind of just get away from her life, basically. But she's terrible at it, and she um, uses the wrong fuel for a cooking thing. Her boots are too small. She loses a boot, and that's to wear sandals while hiking on mountains. Uh, but she perseveres, and um, she has a good shout and a cry in the wilderness. Can you imagine shouting in the wilderness? Like, really loudly. That'd yeah, feel good, wouldn't it? Cool, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's the best bit of advice this has given so far. Yeah, Go I think it depends shout. on the wilderness, though. What if there's like bears around and stuff? Well, funny enough, and you accidentally speak bear when you're shouting <laughs> <laughs> and offend one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you over there? You're a prick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, as a side note, I went to Egypt once and. Um, we went in. We were in the desert at night, and they said, "Oh, now shout! Just shout! There's no one about. Shout!" And I didn't. It felt really weird about was it. Was this a song? Shout! <laughs> shout! There's no one about. <laughs> These are the things I can do with that. <laughs> yeah, it seems a bit weird. So I just did it, and then um, in the middle of the desert, this is obviously planned. Some guy comes and tries to sell us some bracelets. <laughs> so they're waiting for the shouters to come along. Did he? <laughs> did he reply to your shouts? You were going, ah. He yeah. went. £3.50. <laughs> <laughs> no. So she finishes her portion of the trail um, just through sheer determination and wanting to rebuild her life. And um, within six years of that, she's clean, gets married, has two children. So what's my advice? Go for a long walk and shout. Yeah. That's what Wild tells us. Does clear your head, doesn't it? Nice mm. walk. Yeah. But not, and quite a nice film. Good film to watch. Well, my advice, the best advice I can give, actually, and I'm going to pre-commit to this. Who are we advising? Uh, Morpheus. Morpheus, yeah, that's right. But it's not really him, it's his parents who have got the problem. He wants to get his parents out of a rut. Just to remind you, Liam, of the podcast you are involved in. (laughs) (laughs) Best advice I can give is to read Factfulness by Hans Rosling. I'd love that book. Published by Hodder and Stoughton. My wife loves that book, too. It's great. It's another non-fiction book, and I said it would be rare for me to Mm. (laughs) recommend these, but here I am. Now, the world can seem like a really dark place, and I said earlier, I've got anxiety issues. I feel like shit sometimes, and especially after I was stuck indoors for a few months, and this is probably how your parents are feeling, Morpheus, especially if they've been watching the news and worrying and just sitting there with the walls closing in. But actually... Factfulness, the book, shows us that a lot of the negative assumptions that we make about the world, many of which have been put into our heads by the news and journalists who want us to feel scared so that we keep buying their sponsors useless shit and politicians who want us to feel like the world's going down the pan because they've got an agenda. All those assumptions are wrong. Not necessarily completely wrong, but you know, we're we're basing them on bad data. And if we base our opinions and our outlook on actual measurable facts, things aren't that bad at all. And here's some examples 
All of the following are shown in factfulness to be decreasing. The price of solar panels, HIV infections per million people, and the percentage of children who die before their fifth birthday. Now that one is down from 44% in 1800 to 4% in 2016. We're making so much progress. We're lucky to be alive in the time we're alive in now. And the following are all shown to be increasing. The percentage of land protected as national parks or reserves. Countries with equal rights of women and men to vote. Percentage of humanity living in democracy. And the percentage of adults with basic reading and writing skills. So things are getting better. He's not saying that everything's fine and we don't need to worry. He's saying things can be bad but getting better and the getting better bit is what we should focus on not the fact that they're bad because then we can drive it forward because like um when people say things are going down the pan and they give up and you know it's unfixable i don't think they're making an honest and sensible assessment of the situation i think what they're really doing is giving themselves an excuse not to try to fix things because if you say oh that's unfixable no we just give up on that then when it does all go wrong because nobody tried to fix it, they can say, well, I knew it, so I was right all along. When really, if they had cared enough in the first place and got off their arse and rolled their sleeves up and tried to fix it, everything can be fixable. And that's what this book shows us, I think. It's actually quite topical. I don't know if you had this, you're going to say this anyway, but um, one, of the, one of the chapters in that book, he talks about uh, his work with pandemics and about how he's involved in the Ebola crisis and things like that. Um, and I think he said because he's he wasn't looking at the facts at the time, he missed that the case rate of Ebola was doubling rather than going up linearly. And that kind of, once he realised that, it was like, oh, this is something that we really need to urgently look at. Mm. And that's the thing. You find out what you do need to worry about by looking at the data because, as I say, I think I'm one of those tinfoil hat people who thinks that the media and governments are... Not governments as a whole, but politicians individually try to give us biases and feed us false information to further their own agendas, make us feel a certain way so that we'll vote them in or, as I say, buy their sponsors stupid shit. One last note on that book. I think there's a lot of really good advice in it. I'd recommend that Morpheus reads it. Mm. Um, but if Before you don't read it, the there's, there's one take home that I, I had from it that springs to mind, which is about not trust in loan numbers and you see it in the on the news all the time where they'll say you know something has risen by x percent or you know this many people have died from something else today and you look at it and you think oh that's actually quite high but the point is it's a lot easier to make things look bigger or smaller than they are and if you see a, a number on its own just compare it to something else before you decide whether it's good or bad yeah our local facebook group for our like our town said everybody start panicking coronavirus has doubled in the borough of Greenwich since last week it went from uh, four to nine cases <laughs> <laughs> yeah well exactly so be wary but don't panic <laughs> well I do I do have a, a final piece of advice for Morpheus himself and not for his parents uh, it's from the 2002 Streets song Stay Positive from their 2002 album Original Pirate Material aside from some suggestions to start taking class A drugs to cheer yourself up don't do that um, <laughs> there's, there's some genuine wisdom in places uh, notably stop dreaming people who say that are blaspheming they're doing 9 to 5 and moaning and they don't want you succeeding where they've blown it and the point is a lot of the time not saying this is your parents Morpheus 
But a lot of the time, people who are moaning are kind of a little bit bitter about their own lives and you shouldn't let that affect your own life too much. Bit different with your parents. There's a little bit of advice for them in the song as well, which is positive steps will see your goals. And the general advice from the song is try and stay positive. Mm. Okay. Are we all done? Has anyone got any wrap-up points? No. No? So Morpheus, I think the advice we're giving you is stay positive, even if your parents can't. Find your Neo. Give him the blue pill. Oh, it's a red pill. Oh, shit. (laughs) Viagra. (laughs) (laughs) Give him the blue pill, Morpheus, and he'll stay hard all night. (laughs) (laughs) And then go down his rabbit hole. (laughs) Okay, so that's all we've got time for today. If you've got a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or by emailing problems at agonyartpodcast.com. You can check out the show notes for a link to all the music, films, books, everything we've mentioned today and Spotify playlist that Liam has put together of all the songs. I'd like to thank our resident Agony Aunts for their contributions. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Liam. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more problems to stumble through and more entertainment for you to check out. See ya. Bye. Bye. But I'd suggest keep it light Cause their advice can be shite And they won't be held liable Oh no, not at all Not here at Agony Art Agony Art Agony Art